I'm Rachel Rizzo. I am the research associate with the newly renamed Transatlantic Security Program here at CNAS. And I'm Jim Townsend, and it is a great pleasure to be part of this new team and to work with Julie Smith. Julie isn't here today. She is up in Chicago. But with us today is the NATO Secretary General, Jens Stoltenberg. It is such an honor to be here with you, one of the great uh, SecGens of NATO. And, uh, and thank you for giving us some time today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Mr. Secretary General, I'd like to um, ask you one kind of broad overarching question before we get started. So you've been in the business of diplomacy and government service for a very, very long time, now as NATO Secretary General, but also as Prime Minister of Norway and Minister of Finance. In all of that time working in diplomacy and more specifically transatlantic relations, is there one great truth that you've taken with you during your career? Maybe something that you can't learn from a book or a mentor, but a great truth that you've gained personally uh, from your own personal experience? Um, I think that's the importance of uh, being able to make compromises because uh, in politics and especially in democracies it's uh, very often uh, necessary to reconcile different positions, different views and sometime, uh, sometimes compromises is regarded as some kind of a bad thing. Uh, but actually, I think that in the long run, it's a good thing to be able to make the compromises and also to balance different uh, interests, interests, not either being in the extreme uh, in one way or the other, but find some kind of middle ground. So the importance of compromises <laughs> is perhaps the most important thing I've learned. And you know, that's really interesting because mm. in the Nordic countries, I think yeah. there is, that's the hallmark of the politics that there is compromise and something Washington is trying to relearn. <laughs> so as you're here, if you, as you talk about that, that would be a good thing for us to hear here in Washington. Um, you know, I, I was watching the press conference um, yesterday with the president, and when you started talking about the wreath laying at Arlington, I could tell that that really meant something to you. And I thought about it, and you know, as both as prime minister as well as the sec gen, sending forces off uh, where they could be killed is a big deal. And I know from all the secretaries of defense that I've worked with, and particularly Bob Gates, but Ash Carter too, um, that was something very important to them as they were signing letters to the parents of those that had um, that had given their lives. And so what was going through your mind when you were laying that wreath? What did you think about? Uh, respect for all those uh uh, people who have paid the ultimate price uh, in different military operations and uh, missions. Uh, uh, this was, of course, uh, soldiers from the United States, but many of them have been uh, taking part in NATO operations, defending allies. Uh, and I also uh, have very uh, strong gratitude to the United States because uh, I was not born during the Second World War, but you know, my parents, they always. Uh, uh, spoke about uh, the American troops coming to Norway in the summer of 1945 and they were regarded as big liberators and uh, the sacrifice as uh, the United States paid in liberating uh, Europe after the, or during the end of the Second World War. Uh, and then of course uh, Norway is very different from the United States and the United States has participated in many more wars and have many more soldiers uh, killed in 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 in, in action, but uh, being in which prime minister, I, I also made decisions uh, uh, about sending which soldiers yeah. uh, into operations, for instance, yeah. in Afghanistan, and then receiving the message that uh, we have lost uh, some uh, soldiers has uh, is, is of course by far the. 
the the the, the worst message you can get, uh, and therefore I feel uh, very so heavy responsibility uh, yeah. uh, taking that kind yeah. of uh, decisions, and therefore I also think it's extremely important to honor. Uh, those who have lost their lives, uh, for instance, uh, by by laying the wreath at the Arlington Cemetery. Well, thank you for that. That's very moving, just what you said, and I can tell that that was certainly impacted you hours after that ceremony with uh, as you were at that press conference. You know, um, being a NATO, Nick, myself, uh, I was imagining what it must have been like as the SecGen watching NATO get sucked up into the U.S. presidential campaign. And I say that because normally for us, when we do our presidential campaigns, NATO's not part of it. Even foreign policies since the end of the Cold War really hasn't been a big feature. But here you are as the SecGen, and all of a sudden, uh, in debates back during the campaigns, NATO was part of their burden sharing, all these issues that were the province of a small group of us, mm. all of sudden were part of the campaign and not only that but after the election is over it stayed in the news the two percent I personally I was amazed the two percent was making headlines in um, here in Washington so you've been riding a tiger I mean this thing has been big you've now come um, uh, for your your visit and it's been a great visit a really successful visit that I thought the tone substance of the of the press conference was great so what are your reflections on that I mean waking up one morning in Brussels and all of a sudden finding you're in the headlines at the American campaign and and then all through those these days what was it like riding that tiger so I actually appreciated that uh, NATO became a topic in the US election campaign because that uh, shows the relevance and the importance of NATO it's worse to be told forgotten so uh, of course being part of a campaign there are statements and there are different views which uh, which and also there are different views and then there are also of course disagreements but that's that's fundamentally a, a, a good thing uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, the focus on NATO during the election campaign and also after uh, um, the election has increased the interest for NATO in general and has helped me to push some of the important uh, Topics I am very focused yeah, on, uh, yeah. Secretary General, uh, burden sharing, defense spending, but yeah. also NATO playing a more uh, active or even more active role in the fight against international terrorism. So, so I fundamentally welcome that it has been a lot of attention uh, on NATO uh, in the United States. Yeah, I have too. I, mean, I think uh, we, I think Julie and I were in the press more than we've ever been in the press yeah. before, <laughs> talking about NATO and educating. Yeah, and so that's it's been, good for you too. Great. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, I loved it. I, I just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we have the summit right around the corner. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about, if I were your staff, on the international staff, as we were thinking about the summit, you've had the defense ministers, which I think went pretty well on the whole, yes. and then four ministers went well. This visit, as I said, has just been really, really good visit. But but you're going to be doing it again in a few weeks at the summit, this time with all the allies around the table. President Trump will be there. So, Hattie, what do you do at the summit to make to make sure it's not just a rehash of the ministerials and and uh, this visit, I mean, you know, a, a month or two ago, I would have written an article that said, you know, the United States is going to have to show our commitment and the relevance. But that's kind of been done. Mm. And you also, with your visit particularly, you've addressed the burden sharing and you've addressed counterterrorism. So, for the summit, 
um, how how are you gonna how are you gonna manage that so that you really take the ball forward? What do you what do you want to get out of that? Yeah, summit? First of all, I think it's important to remember, remember that this is a, a kind of a special meeting because it's not a full fledged summit. Right. It is uh, leaders, so the heads of state and government, uh, coming to Brussels the 25th of May, but we are actually going to do two things. Uh, uh, one part will be to. Uh, take part in a handover ceremony of the new building, mm -hmm. uh, which also includes uh, the uh, inauguration of a 9-11 memorial. There's yeah. a piece from the Twin Tower which will be in front of the new building, uh, uh, NATO headquarters new building. And then a piece from the Berlin Wall, uh, uh, commemorating the, the Cold War and yeah. the Berlin Wall. So reflecting in a way the history of NATO, Article 5, 9-11, uh, 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 and then uh, the Cold, the Cold War, War. yeah, uh, uh, and then the new building. So that will be uh, an important part of the program. Will be to to take part in this uh, ceremonial uh, events. Then we will have one working session. So this is not a full-fledged meeting, but we will uh, then address burden sharing and countering terrorism. Uh, and and the, of course, uh, defense ministerial meetings, foreign ministerial meetings, uh, bilateral visits, all of that is important, but it's a very strong signal uh, and something very different to have all 28 or actually 29 with yeah, Montenegro. That's right. Heads of state and government present in Brussels. And it will be the first time the uh, new US president, but also the new French president, uh, that's meets, right. meets that's all, right. all the others. So just yeah. to have them there, uh, to have uh, them standing together at the family photo, <laughs> sends a clear and strong signal of unity. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's an interesting point about the family photo. You know, the family photo is always the thing you do yeah. when everyone's... But this family photo yeah. is going to be very it's important. important. Yes. Uh, and I, that's a very good point. I, I look forward to that. You know, one thing I thought about with this summit is you're going to have Donald Trump, who's the big real estate mm. guy from New oh. York, he knows real estate. He's going to be walking into that new building, yeah. looking around, and I'm sure some real estate things are going to be going. How much but, they pay for this? But, but he, he told me that he was looking forward to uh, to take part in this handover ceremony. That's uh, great. So the Belgium, which has been responsible for the, the construction of the building, they hand it over to uh, to NATO. So so uh, uh, and since he knows a lot about property and, uh, and buildings, then uh, he will be an expert. So It'll be great. So It'll be very, very interesting. Yeah. So we're going to close now with one last question because. I know you need to get in your motorcade. And that is, um, uh, I, I think it's something that you and I and, and we've been working on for a long time in a sense of NATO relevancy. And I say that because mm. when the when the campaign started with uh, President Trump, he was talking about NATO's uh, being obsolete. And I've always felt the word isn't obsolete. Alliances are not obsolete mm. and NATO's not obsolete. But there's a relevance that we always have to worry about, NATO staying relevant. And you mentioned counterterrorism, you mentioned um, the uh, uh, other uh, the new threats that we're having to deal with, uh, problems coming out of the migrant, to, you know, crossing the Mediterranean and this type of thing. These are missions for which NATO wasn't developed to handle. Mm -hmm. NATO was developed to handle what we're seeing up in the Baltic, Nordic area, and mm -hmm. Poland, that type of thing. So NATO relevancy has got to be something that helps us with these new challenges. Mm -hmm. And I always felt that the United States doing the counter-ISIL coalition to me, that always felt like that should be NATO doing that. I understand why NATO didn't, and you had some very good discussions with Ash Carter and others about NATO's role. As we finalize, as you get ready to leave, what are you thinking about NATO's relevance and what we need to do to keep it relevant for these new challenges? 
The reason why NATO is the most successful alliance in history is that we have been able to adapt uh, to change when the mm -hmm. world is changing. For 40 years, NATO was focused on almost uh, only uh, one thing, that yeah. was to deter yeah. the Soviet Union. Yeah. And we did collect the defense in Europe and we were very successful, we were able to end the Cold War without any, without firing any, uh, any, any shot. So, so actually it was, it was a peaceful end of the Cold uh, War. Uh, and then uh, people started to ask whether we needed NATO anymore. Uh, but then NATO went out of area, as we say. We were starting to address crisis outside of NATO territory. We helped end uh, two uh, ethnic wars in the Balkans, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and in Kosovo, Serbia. Then we fought terrorism in in uh, in, uh, in Afghanistan after 9/11 attack, uh, and it is important to remember that the only time we have invoked the Article 5 is after an attack on the United States. That's right. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands of European and Canadian soldiers have served in Afghanistan alongside uh, American soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and now we have to change again, uh, because uh, we still have to manage crisis uh, uh, beyond our borders. Uh, we see more terrorism, more violence in Iraq, Syria, uh, wider Middle East, so we have to step up our efforts to fight terrorism. But at the same time, we have to, in a way, come back, go back to Europe uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and do collective defense deterrence again uh, in Europe because we see a more assertive Russia. And I'm actually impressed by uh, the, uh, the, the strength and the speed of NATO adaptation because yeah. uh, since 2014 we have implemented the biggest reinforcement of our collective defense. We have tripled the size of the NATO response force. We have deployed or we are in the process of deploying four battle groups to the eastern yeah. part of the mm -hmm. lines. Yeah. We have yeah. established eight new small headquarters in the eastern part of the lines. Mm -hmm. And we have stepped up, for instance, when it comes to cyber defense, hybrid warfare, and many other things. So decision making. So <clears throat> so NATO has actually been able to really adapt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, that just shows the relevance and the importance of NATO also in the future. Yeah, yeah. The, the NATO, the, I think the NATO EU center that was just, <laughs> I would celebrate that, not just because of the hybrid issue, which is important, but uh, but actually <coughs> being able to do the, um, having NATO and the EU come together on a project like that, that you could actually touch and, see, and you'll see them sitting side by side, that's worthy of celebration. So that's, that's something I'm really, really uh, was proud of NATO about. And, uh, and I think we should be very, very uh, loud in celebration of NATO and the EU coming together. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Secretary General, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule today. We really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.